Gemma Lonsdale, psychic medium and life coach, and you're listening to the Happy Psychic Podcast. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Madison England, who is an intuitive energy healer and spiritual coach. Madison has been a healer and teacher in many, many lifetimes and is blessed to be able to share her gifts with this collective. And today we're really talking about healing, what that looks like, how we get started and some of the uh, situations that you might find come up for you. Welcome to this week's episode of The Happy Psychic. I am joined by Madison England and Madison is an intuitive energy healer and spiritual coach. So hi Madison, it is great to have you here. Hi Gemma, thank you so much. It's great to be here. Very, very good to have you. I know that we were eager to talk about healing journeys and Mm -hmm. you have obviously been on your own journey. I know healing is a bit of an ongoing thing. It's a bit of a thing that we're always on with, but how did you get to the stage now where you're actually working with other people, helping them through their journey? Yeah. I mean, when you are um, a healer yourself, you are always switching your hats between teacher and student. So there are cycles that I go through where I have to maybe step back from so much of my client work because I'm going through my own ascensions and activations. So that is a journey that never stops. Um, but I, there was a point where I had accumulated enough, um, uh, I don't know if the word is data, but enough like tools, skills, resources in the development of my journey where I was able to then begin helping others with what I learned. And I get a lot of people that ask me, like, how do I become a spiritual coach? But they haven't even done their own work. They just want to be the, the teacher without being the student. And so I actually felt like I probably could have started earlier than I did. I um, was a little hesitant because I was like, what if I misinform people? Da, da, da. What if I don't know enough about this? You know, you, you kind of like gas at yourself a little bit. But I think that's also kind of the journey in itself is kind of like you do learn as you go. And there are things that I've learned at times in my spiritual journey that I don't align with anymore. But what I what I what we're here to do is my spiritual experience is what I teach because there's no truth. There's no ultimate truth. It's your truth based on your experience and what texts you've read and what authors and spiritual masters you align with because there's conflicting people like in perspectives, yeah. even in the masters, right? And so it's about making sure that I set intentions around my space that I attract clients that want to learn from my spiritual experience um, and from my lens and my perspective. And we're all ever changing, ever growing, ever ascending in that way. So I um, started my own like deep healing journey when I was around 19 or 20. And I didn't start doing coaching as a service until... 2021, I believe. So I was 23, 23, I think. So I I was on my own journey for quite a bit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's funny because you touched upon there the whole thing of there not being one ultimate truth. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's what people forget, that actually, we none of us can say that oh, I'm I'm the only one that's right or you're the only one that's right. We, we can't, like we, mm-hmm. we just can't. All we can do is take our own truth and what we have learned in our path and then help bring that to other people. And as you say, attract the people that resonate the most with us. You know, there, there might be, you know, it's funny because I it's something I always think about whenever I have people on the podcast because there's always so much of an overlap with me being a life coach. I'm a Reiki healer. I'm a psychic medium. Like we all have our own truths and the own you mm-hmm. know journeys that we have come through. And 
if we go out into the world thinking, oh, well, Madison's coming on today. I don't agree with something she said because that conflicts with something. And it's just, it, it is just life. And I, I always encourage people to remember that your truth today might not be the same truth as what you have tomorrow because we are always growing and evolving and absorbing mm-hmm. knowledge. And through the experiences that we have, it can always change and go a different direction. Yeah. I mean, if you think about the state of spiritual ego in the development where it's very like in that love and light, you haven't really hit that duality, dark night of the soul type of element yet. That point everyone has to hit. So there has to be people that are going to talk about the love and light component of things. And then there are people that talk about the next level of that. So it's like if you're following one person and you're watching their journey, so they're in their love and light, the spiritual ego stage, then they ascend to the dark night of the soul. So that's why my platform is very focused. It's me. It's, it's, I'm not teaching anything as a structure. I'm just showing you how I heal and what I learn as I go in a healthy way and not in a destructive way, because there is a destructive way of teaching as you go, because you can overcorrect sometimes. Um, but teaching things as I go, modeling vulnerability, showing the process um, to allow people to really see what it's like. And it's not like I'm the teacher, I know it all. When we're in that teacher role, people look at teachers like they know everything and they know all, even spiritual yeah. masters who are constantly growing and ascending, even when they reach like the, what we think is like a peak, right? So we need people at the different stages to communicate different messages at those stages. Also, that might be their experience. Like there are people who stay in that spiritual ego stage like their entire life. That's what their spiritual experience is. Who am I to tell them what their experience is and isn't right or wrong? That's ego. So, you know, it's just about finding your voice, understanding that it has a lot of power. So how you communicate, how you deliver um, and how you impact people is it's the how that's really important there. And was it a conscious decision you made to actually go down your own healing journey or was it just something that happened? Something that was forced upon you by the universe? <laughs> yeah, but that's also kind of conscious at the same time. Like you are kind of being nudged, like they're shaking the ground beneath you to wake you up, but you're choosing to wake up. Because um, I could have easily chosen to, to, to feel that rumble and then go back to sleep, you know, and like just not wake up. Um, and there are many times in the different awakenings of my life where I got the call And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, it's so comfortable here in my pain body. And then you break out of your pain body and you're like, wait, this is so much better than that. And so, yeah, I was, I was, the ground was shaken beneath me. Um, I was, I was like in a really tough place with my partner at the time, um, which was a twin flame journey. So that was just rocky. And then I was like, I had issues with friends and everything, my job, everything was kind of falling apart. I was 19. I was like, or or 20, I think I might've been 20. I was going to graduate in a couple months. Um, and it was just like a mess. And you know, when you're having a big tower moment, you look to something bigger than what your current world is, because that's not giving you the answer. So you go bigger. And, uh, and then once you do that, when you open your eyes, you have to move forward. So it is conscious. Yeah, I find that um, there's so many people out there who are really eager to heal, like they feel the discomfort, but they're choosing not to go down that path, or they feel the discomfort and they're like, okay, well, what do I do with that? Like, how do I move past this? People don't really know how to heal. And that seems to be a big challenge. Like, how did you really get started on your journey? Did you intuitively know what you needed to do? 
No, and I think um, one of the tough parts about where we're accessing information now spiritually with TikTok, we have such an excess amount of information and everyone's developing these like excess crown chakras. Like they're really in excess. And that's why a lot of people are entering spiritual psychosis. We have too much information. We don't know how to digest and absorb the information properly. We don't know how to discern what's for us, what's not, take what resonate, discard what doesn't. And then everyone has their own tips and tricks for things. And people like are trying all the easy things. They're trying the things that are going to just be the quick little pill. Actually healing is actually sitting with the discomfort. It's making peace and oneness with that discomfort. But the second you feel that, that's your pain body. The second you feel that coming up, it is so much easier in that moment to run away from it, to not deal with it. And that's why people aren't actually healing. That's why like therapy alone as a system, because it's as a system, it's meant to intellectualize your emotions and like think about and process them. And um, there are certain therapists who will incorporate feeling the emotions, but like the system as a whole, I used to work in um, a telemedicine mental health company. I worked closely with the BBS and I would hire like 50 to 60 therapists a week. And anytime I would talk to therapists, that would be the conversation that we have. They don't have the modalities to help people feel things unless they were doing things like EMDR. So we're just in this really disconnect with our bodies. We're not feeling things. We're not in our bodies. Um, and so we're not actually fully moving through things. Feeling is the key to healing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think we can be having, well, I guess there's a lot of different reasons why we're not in touch with our bodies. But one of them is the big, the fact that there were so many distractions that detract away from us actually feeling and sitting with emotion. We can just put Netflix on or we can scroll through TikTok. Yeah. yeah, I feel like disassociation is like the biggest drug right now because even when we're eating, we're sitting down to eat and we have the TV on. We're not even paying attention to the food that we're putting in our bodies, how much we're eating, how our body feels mm -hmm. eating it. Like we're scrolling as we're eating. We, we, like, we just can't even sit there in silence anymore in our own thoughts because we're so uncomfortable with our mm -hmm. thoughts. I think it's um, Eckhart Tolle who says... Um, you don't think thinking happens to you. I think it's how he says it, something along those lines. And it's like, it does, your, your, your thoughts will consume you, they'll overcome you. And if you don't have control of that, you'll just disassociate because you don't have control mm -hmm. of that. But if, in your, if you're in your body, then you have complete control over that. And it's not yeah. as uncomfortable, but it's just this running, this escaping of ourselves. Yeah, it's funny because even as teachers, like I don't know about you, but definitely for myself, sometimes I can still find myself becoming quite consumed by the work and by life and not taking the time out to feel my emotions. And sometimes I have to, um, well, I sometimes would feel spirit withdrawing me a little bit from the work. You know, mm -hmm. all of my work is spiritually led, probably a little bit like you. And sometimes they will actually pull me back. Like I can feel them pull me back or they'll cut off the source of my work or they'll cause some sort of disruption in order to withdraw me away. And whenever I start to get into that space where I'm not overloaded with work, I'm not doing lots of one-to-one -one work I'm not doing lots of group 
you know, group stuff. And I suddenly find myself being creative and the creative juice is flowing and that's when all of my ideas come and I'm writing and I'm creating content. And then all of a sudden I get to the end of that and I'm like, oh, oh, what's this? Oh, this is really uncomfortable. What's coming up? And there's always like a little bit of a healing that happens Mm -hmm. afterwards. And I think, oh, those little tricksters, they've tricked me into, into doing some healing work. But it's almost as though we prevent ourselves from healing because we get so involved in everything else in our life. And actually making that conscious decision to step back a little bit and to be a bit more aware is almost like the first step in the process, just giving ourselves that time to feel. Absolutely. I think that's also something Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about is being. We get so focused on doing that we overdo the doing and we forget Mm -hmm. that we have to just be. And Mm -hmm. I think that those cycles are probably a lot more frequent for energy healers because we ascend a lot faster um, and more frequently. And so we have to keep leveling up. And I find that a little bit hard for me in my business sometimes because I'm still working through a lot of my scarcity, right? My scarcity programming that's been in me from lifetime to lifetime. Mm -hmm. It's a big karmic issue. And so it's like I have this constant battle between I have to step back and be in my feminine and rest to receive. I have to move through these emotions that are about to come up and I have to level up in that way. But what about my income? What about my rent? What about my bills? And so I'll I'll like sometimes find myself like taking on clients in periods like here and there where I'm not supposed to and then I can't show up at my best self and so I have to learn and I'm continuously learning how to be better about that to keep the level of professionalism but also at the same time like honoring what I have to do to be a better coach for people and um, thankfully in the spiritual space people are really understanding of that as a leader and you know a student like they they understand that you have to do that and they're gracious for that um, because they know that it's going to benefit them in that way. But um, yeah, I think we have to step back every now and then. I just went through a big cycle of that. I'm just now starting to reintegrate a little bit more where I just, the universe mm-hmm. was like, slow down. You you have you have stuff that's going to come up. You know, all this stuff astrologically was like really aligned for that. And I had to just surrender. When you surrender, mm-hmm. like, I always say like, the best way to win in a boxing match is to just like dodge every punch and like not swing. The other person will exhaust themselves by swinging. And so what you do is you're chilling and then at the end they're tired and you catch them off guard and you knock them. That's how they win. But when you're trying to like beat the universe, if you're trying to fight the flow of the universe, you're going to exhaust yourself by its resistance. And so just surrender, just go in that flow state with that because it's for your greatest good. And you only notice it once you go through it and you go, Oh, okay, I get it now, you know, but it's hard to see it in the thick of it. Yeah. I I always think as well, whenever I've been through a cycle of healing, I think, oh, well, I'll I'll know much better for next time. I'll be able to recognize it. I'll know whenever they put a stop to this or they're pulling me back that that's what's happening. And I I just sometimes I'm really oblivious to it. And I think that that's one thing that people don't realize that healing can sometimes creep up on you. And yes, it has to be a conscious decision that you run with that. But we are often unaware of what we need to heal. And even when we've went through a healing cycle, we think, oh, finally, I'm done. That's it. I'm done. And then it's like, okay, well, the next one's coming up. There's always something else to come up 
always something else and um my i work specifically with a spirit guide and one of the things that she tells me quite a lot is that even whenever we're in spirit we're still healing Mm -hmm. whenever we cross over there's still healing to Mm -hmm. be done so it's not just a human thing it's a soul thing it is a spirit thing um and we'll always be continuously improving and revisiting stuff and learning more and expanding and raising our vibration it's not that and i i am guilty of using the term you know of being healed like we're never really we're never fully healed we can it's heal just it's an ongoing process we can heal a wound we can heal a cycle but as a whole yeah we'll never be healed yeah. but i don't think that word's such a bad word or such a you know because we can be healed from something just not everything because we're going to continue to accumulate new things like every day Like Mm -hmm. you can clear a bunch of karma that you've had with someone in previous lifetimes, right? But then you're creating new karma every day, right? Like it's just a balancing of energies. So it's like you have to detach from it being um, a destination, but the journey, Mm -hmm. there's checkpoints in the journey where you, you check, you pass that test, you level up and you've healed that, you've moved through that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. it's funny because I, I often wonder have I actually really fully healed that or have I only healed like a portion of it if we think of it as like a cake have I have I healed all of it is it all gone or is something going to come back and bite me in the ass again in like 10 years time or 10 months time or even 10 days you know I guess we never really know exactly when the healing is going to come up one of the things I find quite challenging to help people with is whenever people are starting to become conscious of them being a spiritual being um but they're not necessarily even sure what they want to heal from they want to go on a healing journey because they want to improve but they don't really even know where to start i think that there's one thing being hit with a load of trauma or ex- you know experiencing something where it brings emotions to the surface mm-hmm. and triggers but if you're not necessarily even fully aware of those triggers or of something specific like do you have any guidance for people when they're in that situation I don't know if my guidance is necessarily independent work um, because I think sometimes we need an opener, an activator, um, mm-hmm. and that is an energy worker who can go in and see things to give you direction. Um, yeah. You can do all the personal activations you want, but your pain body might be so large and your ego might be so like inflated when working with your pain body because they are feeding off of each other that it might not even allow that to come forward until something really really big happens and people are like i don't want it to get there like i want to focus on this now and they're determined and they're dedicated and that's beautiful so what i usually do with clients and they're like i don't know where to start or people when they people comment that and ask me that all the time i don't know where to start i go you need to book a session with me then because I can't tell you where to start because I don't know who you are or where you are. Like that's going to be so different for each person. And what I typically start with is I start with a a coaching session where we just kind of talk one-on-one. I ask specific questions, just kind of get, and I have, you know, my channel open, my crown open, everything. So I'm, I'm working, I'm getting the messages. And then we go in and we do a deep energy clearing and a soul retrieval because soul retrieval work is what healing is. You're, you're clearing everything that's, uh, old trauma, conditionings, pattern cycles, all of that, all that energy. And then you have to reintegrate your soul into those parts. So we do a deep energy clearing where I'm also incorporating Reiki, the crystalline flame. Um, and I'm studying to, I'm studying to get more, um, certifications and other forms of energy healing. Um, but I sometimes will incorporate that in there as I'm training. And, um, 
And I go in and I look at their entire energy field, their chakra system. I look at some of their experiences. I can see and, and feel certain things. And that gives me a focal point. And I'll clear certain things that I can, but I also have direction for what are some big things that happened. When I'm in someone's sacral, if I see sexual trauma, then I can go, okay, so we need to focus on that. And let's say that's the loudest for whatever reason. That's where we focus first. And so having a, a healer or a guide be able to help direct you that you pull that one thread and then everything else comes from there. Typically, when we do that, we want to start in the root or the heart. The heart because the heart is the, the key for all healing. It's the heart, but the root also because that's the, the, the first chakra, that bottom chakra. And so everything's going to funnel into that as well. So, um, so yeah, and then after we do that, then we start coaching where I give them shadow work to do and we do meditative shadow work journeys where we're using our cellular memory to go back into some of these experiences, not really go back into them, but just bring those back to our awareness so we can feel them again in order to clear that. And then, of course, we do soul retrieval work. And so I do both. Yes. I, I make sure that they do the intellectualizing and the understanding of where this originated. It's always childhood. And then understanding the chakra system, their energy system, and then moving that energy and giving them their spiritual practice that's going to work custom for them. And then, of course, it's on them for their spiritual discipline. Yeah, I know that's one of the things um, that I find actually with people is that everything stems back to childhood sometimes past lives where it's been carried over but there's so much that we attribute to our childhood that we don't realize and the root of you know how you feel when that person rejects you there's something connecting you to your childhood whenever that invokes such a strong emotion Always. you're being triggered that person's triggering you but that's not the root cause it's really not the root cause and it's trying to educate people that they have to find a way to get back to that in order to unravel it and I always see people whenever they're going through some emotions my guide always shows me somebody sat with a like a a rope that's tied in knots so I know that they're unpicking the knots and their emotions and that's when I know roughly how much healing is needing to be done at that particular time or around that specific thing um but yeah there's always so much of it that is you know connected to our childhoods and I think we really underestimate the childhood experiences we do I've that we have myself had. doing that too where it's like I had a fine childhood in this at this part of my life da, da, da. and then I didn't have mm -hmm. any memories of certain things because they w was traumatic at certain points and trauma is subjective. The way that you receive an experience to be traumatic is going to be different from someone else. Like, you know, yeah. I know people who have seen like a lot of awful stuff in their lives and I haven't seen nearly as much awful stuff as them. They might not be digesting that the same way that I would have and vice versa. They might have seen what I went through and go, that's nothing, right? I wouldn't have absorbed that. So it's, it's based off of how you receive that experience. And so it's, it's just going to be different for everyone. And I, I just feel like we do kind of discredit that because we don't have a lot of memory of that. And so that's why using cellular memory is so important yeah. and working with source in that way to try to uncover that. It's amazing what I've seen some of my clients and myself, but obviously it's just so cool to see my clients do it uh, when they have uncovered things that they had no idea were in there and like very specific details too, where they're like, whoa, mm -hmm. where did that come from? And that takes a lot of open heart, open root, open crown. 
Yeah, it's funny because the body always holds on to it. The body holds it and stores it, but the mind suppresses it. So it all—it almost like blocks us from accessing it until we're ready. But I often find, I don't know if you find the same thing, that even if we want to consciously bring it to the surface, it's up to spirit how much is brought to the surface at that particular that time. time yeah. It's almost like they're like in control of that whole healing that's going yeah, on. Yeah, because you can't but, eat the whole pizza in one sitting like yeah. you can have a slice or two but there's layers to it as well because things are interconnected so say you yeah. can only eat this slice and it's connected to some other things you know over there that you're going to go down that line and then when you're ready for the next level of it then they'll grant that to you mm. but yeah you can't sit there and eat the whole pizza in one piece yeah <laughs> <laughs> although it would be nice wouldn't it to just get all the Haiti night of the way <laughs> I love when it rains it pours because I'm like give it to me all at once so that I can have like big periods of this and big periods of like peace but it doesn't always work that way you know sometimes mm -hmm. it's a lot more slow and gradual and we decide how we want to learn those lessons and through what people and what soul contracts we also want to learn some of those lessons through i feel like it's it's us in the part of source it's our, that little droplet of source that we are that decides that because mm -hmm every it's that we ha you have to keep leveling up and it's just part of like the plan i guess mm -hmm. now you mentioned about soul retrievals and i'm really interested in that because i actually had a soul retrieval once with um a shaman and i um, I would say that it was probably quite early on at the start of my journey and I don't really think I fully comprehended exactly what was happening and what I was experiencing like she was able to bring back you know I think it was like two or three different parts of my soul fragments um, and that was super exciting but it is something I'm really curious to learn a bit more about so tell what is a soul retrieval tell us a bit more about that first of all yeah so a soul retrieval is essentially there are parts in your life when you've experienced trauma or um, uh, fear, disassociation, or just change in your state of consciousness whenever you're using a substance that's like psychoactive. So alcohol, cannabis, mushrooms, LSD, any of those things, where when you change your state of consciousness, you're, you're experiencing that trauma, whatever it might be in that cat those different categories, you leave your body. And there's like a part of you that leaves in that space. And what I mean by in that space is, let's say, for example, so the root chakra develops at um, uh, second trimester of pregnancy and in the first year of your life. That's the span where that develops. If you simply weren't held enough by your parents, that can cause trauma in the root chakra because you have no idea where you are. You're new in this body. Everything's different. It's a human experience. You have a white memory and it's scary for an infant to experience that. And so if you're not held enough, that can create trauma where when you're crying and your parent isn't picking you up when you're crying, they're like ferberizing you, then you leave your body in that point in that root because that's when that's developing and that's the wound. The wound is abandonment, right? Which, or um, stability, feeling here and present, validity in your, in your body. And so when you leave in that space in your root, it's almost like it can be like a crack, right? Or a little bit of a, a, a blockage in whatever way. And so you have to clear that through healing later on in your journey. But once you clear that space, it's just open. And so what needs to go back into that? You. You have to fill that up again because you were supposed to be there in the first place. And so it's, it's calling back that piece of you that left and filling yourself up with your own wholeness. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you do deep soul retrieval work over and over again, because 
you know, there are certain parts of me that were missing in really big ways for like long, long times. When you feel that again, it can be a very emotional experience because that feeling that you're searching for your whole life, that you're running from, like you're trying to find it in cannabis, you're trying to find it in being addicted to work or into never resting or that we're trying to find it elsewhere. It's, it's that feeling. And those, those things that you're trying to find it in, it's only like, 80% there, 70 or 90. It's not 100% when you feel that you're like, oh, this is the feeling I've been searching for my whole life. And then once you're in that part of your body again, you almost get like addicted to being in your body. So you get really motivated on your healing journey to really just, I'm going to integrate, I'm going to integrate, I'm going to integrate. And you keep bringing yourself, excuse me, you keep bringing yourself back in, in that way. So that's kind of what that is. It's just bringing you back to where you left to mm-hmm. begin with. And do you do that through like an energetic, is it like an energetic process or what, can you describe to us a little bit about what that is like for somebody that you're working with whenever you're doing that and how you do it? Yeah. So I yeah. typically use um, Reiki and the crystalline flame. So I have a Sui Reiki. I'm a Reiki master teacher. So I also attune people um, to become Reiki teach- or Reiki masters themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have this, uh, a, this add-on of Reiki that we call crystalline Reiki. And it was uh, created and brought to the, the world in um, around 2020, 2021-ish. And it was through the divine feminine awakening that happened in 2020. And so it is this divine feminine healing. And the crystalline flame is like this blue green flame and so i do a lot of it through that and it is a lot of people do it through quantum energy healing as well which is a form of energy healing that i'm training to have facilitated um but it's you're basically kind of holding space for them and holding space doesn't mean just sitting there and listening holding space means creating this womb around them of source energy and holding that there and a lot and you're walking them through it you have to guide them through it because they have to set those intentions too and they have to move through that themselves and have this conscious awareness of what's going on as well so it is a guided meditative journey and then as you're holding that space after i've cleared with my energy healing the reiki and the flame and everything and then start to call in their soul, bring it back. I have them do the same and we feel that merging and then they feel that opening up. So it is, it is an energy. It is using that energy healing to facilitate. Yeah, that's pretty cool that they're taking on that journey with you. I can remember whenever I had it done and I, I didn't really feel drawn to going back to that because, um, I don't know, probably the experience just wasn't the right one for me. And I can remember because she was a shaman, um, you know, she was running around with her feathers and banging her drum and her rattles and doing all this sort of stuff. But there wasn't really, um, I don't know, I didn't feel like it was an immersive experience for me. And I think everybody will be different and everybody will be drawn to different things. But that definitely wasn't the right type of journey I especially because you right are like a teacher and a healer so yeah. you want to actually learn how to do those things for me I can't I, I have an issue with just facilitating things and not teaching people things because it's like how am I helping you then you're just going to keep coming back to me over and over yeah. again like I want you to learn how to do this on your own for your own journey so you don't yeah. you're not dependent on me so I like to always make sure that 
like I'm providing homework or tools or framework or they're doing it with me so they can be in the process with me and not just come to me to get a clearing. I mean, it's important to get a clearing like every now and then. It's just as important as getting your nails done or getting a facial or going to the gym. Like it's your spiritual health. I get that. But like also understand how to do that for yourself because you have to help yourself. Yeah. And this is an opportunity to do so. Yeah, it's funny. So I'm I'm a Reiki master teacher, but if I had to do it again, I'm not sure that I would do Reiki. And the only reason really around that is that I'm not I don't want to diminish Reiki and what it does and for those who practice it, because I think that it is a really great like method. But I think that we almost feel like we have to be certified and we have to have a certificate in order to use energy for our own benefit and for the benefit of those around us. When actually the reality is that energy is freely given, it is available. So you don't need to have a certificate necessarily to access energy and to use it, but you definitely need to know, um, well, some people intuitively know, but definitely having that guidance and that help, like what you offer people, gives them insight into how they can actually utilize that for themselves, perhaps without them having gone through all of the training and the, um, you know, the attunements that you have experienced. And yes, it might not be as strong as you know you for example if you're doing energy healing and energy work on people every day you're going to have a stronger connection the energy is going to be you know tighter it's going to flow more you're going to be stronger um and yes if you're using it for the first time it might not be as strong however we all had to start somewhere and i always think you know just use it don't don't worry about the certificate you know just start to use it start to do something with it because that itself is really empowering and if you want to go on and do reiki or follow like one of the other methodologies like it's just so reiki that i did um and i have no issue with people going down that path but don't think that you have to in order to access the energy that's the the big thing really that has come forward for me you know recently is that the energy is there to be used we just need to tap into it just make that decision make that you know that conscious decision that you want to do something with it and you can use it yeah I mean definitely for yourself I do probably feel like there is a little bit of uh like I I might side a little differently as a facilitator because Mm -hmm. it's a if you're going to be using something specifically like Reiki and you're using your Chokure, your Seheki, your Honshuzesha, and then your Daikomai, like you want to understand it as a sacred practice and you want to respect the, um, the, the origins, the teachings, the ancestral part of it. Um, so that as a facilitator, like I definitely feel like going through official training is important, but for yourself, I could not agree more. And that's why I do that for my clients where it's like, I'm going to teach you how to do this. You don't need my Reiki. You don't need to have Reiki to do this. You can clear something on your own. Me using this energy is giving you like a turbo boost. It's helping you because you're paying me. So I'm going to give you more than you would get just doing it on your yeah. own you know well, exactly because your energy will be stronger exactly like i i actually had sent a newsletter out recently because um 
I, I'm really encouraging people to tap into their own energy source and to really utilize it. But I couldn't say that what I practice now is Reiki. I don't really follow the Reiki principles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was pleased, I guess, at the time that I went down that path and great that opener. I learned. Yeah, but I think that I definitely have come further and further and further away from that the more that I've been guided by spirit on my journey. Um, and I think from that, that's where I really started to encourage people a lot more more to use the energy and I I wouldn't refer to it as Reiki because well I guess it's not um but it just use the energy the energy is there to be to be used you can use that for your benefit it's so so powerful and we all have to start somewhere just simple if you've got a stomach ache or you feel some emotions coming up put your hands on yourself just with the intention of channeling energy through and you, you will benefit maybe not as much with yourself as what you would do with a you know a proven healer who has been channeling energy for years but there's definitely benefits and the more you use it the more more you intend to use that it gets stronger it's the same with my like mediumship you know it's only through using it every day that it got stronger it's like going to the gym isn't it you know if you're going to like call it the third eye gym you gotta go and you gotta work out your third eye muscle. That's what I call it. <laughs> but it is the exact same. You know, if you're going to a gym and you're thinking, oh, I, you know, I want to like, I want to do a, like a 100 kilo deadlift, or I want to be like, you know, really like sharp in the arms or strong shoulders. You need to be going regularly. You need to be lifting. You need to be lifting heavier. Yeah, you know, and it's the exact same with anything else, whether it's energy healing, mediumship. You need to be using it regularly, or else it's not really going to progress the way you want it to. Yeah. Well, it might if you're very lucky. However, yeah, well, <laughs> most people have to work hard. Who you are, yes. <laughs> I think spiritual discipline is something that a lot of people struggle with, and I think that does come from just wanting a quick fix. Um, yeah. But and like having so many distractions around us, the TV, the phone, everything, where we're we're not as comfortable, like with the routine and what is your practice and trying different things and seeing what works for you. And I think like, you know, one thing that's changed my spiritual practice is getting up at like five thirty six a.m. Like when the world's quiet and people go, Oh, that sounds great in theory, but waking up that early, go to bed at nine. When I'm up that early, I actually have the, the desire to not be on my phone to do my morning meditation, to do my grounding work, to do my affirmations, my gratitude journal, like to do all those things. I'm not going to do that if I wake up and the world's already moving. I'm going to, I'm going to do that before the world's already moving. You know, that was actually one of the things that I'd seen on your TikTok, um, how you talked about that in the really early start. And I'm, I wish I was more on board with it than, (laughs) than I am because I really see the benefit of it. And one of the joys in life I find it much easier in the summer obviously I'm in England it's harder when it's dark and when you look outside and it's pitch black at like 5 30 but I have a daughter and we have a horse and we have like Rosie the barking dog (laughs) um so we we have like a lot to fit into our days and I always find it very very beneficial to get up early whenever the house is quiet whenever my daughter's still in bed and you know the dog is still sleeping and it gives me that time to think and to almost kick start my day before everything else happens but it is hard to do in the in the winter and the it dark is hard, mornings but i also think like you're you know you're supposed to fall off of your routines 
like the same way that you're supposed to kind of like lose yourself every now and then because then you rediscover yourself and you rediscover your routine and you realize through stepping away or losing yourself how great you are and how amazing the routine is because you know like I, I, I like I remember when I was quitting smoking cannabis like I had to quit for a while and then try again to go yeah this is really not what I want Right. Mm -hmm. And like, so stepping off of your routine and getting back on, stepping off, Mm -hmm. when you get back on, you go, yeah, stepping off was really not right for me. You know, it it helps remind you. And then when you lose yourself a little bit and you refine yourself, you are a new person when you refine yourself. You've leveled up in that refining yourself where your routine gets better in that process because stepping away from it taught you something that you need to integrate more of. Right. So it's okay to fall off of your routines. We need to be gentle and compassionate with ourselves when we do. And like not be our own biggest bully there, but it's normal for us to have inconsistency. Inconsistency kind of is what the balance is. Mm-hmm. that's actually a really good way to put it because I was feeling very guilty there's been a couple of days <laughs> where like over the Easter holidays whenever my daughter was off and I relaxed my work schedule and like there was a couple of days where I didn't like set an alarm and I didn't feel I didn't feel any better for it like uh, you know I'm waking up and I'm thinking oh my gosh like the day has started and I'm like still in my pajamas do you and know what okay. I mean and, yeah. like I have those mornings too I have those days where I usually like to clean things as I go I have those days where they pile up. I have so much laundry sitting on my couch that I'd spend there for two days. I'll get to it today, right? Today's the day to do it. But it's one of those things where like, yeah, sometimes you just have to be. And you don't yeah. have to be on your A game. And be, You can't be perfect. You can't have this cookie cutter. Every day is the same type of life. You have to have those days. Yeah, I think that's another problem actually with social media, I think as well. We get so immersed in comparing ourselves to other people, having a look at like, oh my gosh, well, her couch is so clean and her kitchen's nicer so so she can do those things. She has nicer coffee makers so she can do that. (laughs) You know, her hair's always perfect or, you know, just silly little things. And we start to form the opinion that actually everybody else's life is perfect Mm -hmm. and then that pushes us further into our own like oh like I'm I'm really not sufficient I'm not good enough um and I, I know that that's going in a totally different direction but no, that it, 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 cycle, it is a cycle though it is it, and it, I think it's a it's a trauma for a lot of people as well and it's just being mm-hmm. like activated by social media it's like when we're kids we are told that we're good or bad based off of our behavior and so it's not really that much different than content that does really well and goes viral that is of this woman's perfect pretty picture kitchen and her pretty picture body and her pretty picture clothes having this pretty picture morning and then you're going to be like oh well I'm not doing that so I must not be good like she got Mm -hmm. rewarded for that Mm -hmm. right and so we see that reward system and we see how her life looks so beautiful so that in itself is a reward everything's a mask of course and we all know that but it's easy to get sucked into that it's a black hole when you start comparing yourself to others in their lives yeah i think healing is uh, a black hole in itself (laughs) it can definitely (laughs) be like one of the things i really try to just remind people of is whenever you start to feel those uncomfortable emotions and i you know what i have to remind myself sometimes but whenever we start to feel those emotions those strong emotions coming to the surface that is something that we need to heal mm-hmm. like I had something come up yesterday and I got all frustrated I you know argued with the universe and you know I'm throwing my toys out of the pram and stomping my feet and I, f- I forget that actually 
that is that is something that needs to be healed like mm-hmm. and I'm so conscious of it all of these other times but there's still times that come up when I forget slips, yeah. I forget to practice what I preach mm-hmm. but actually life can be so much easier whenever we recognize yes. that it's something that it's trying it's the universe trying to teach you something you feel that way because there's something wants to be healed it's like trying to grab your attention I mean that's what a trigger is like you know I think we're also kind of in a day and age when people are like really sensitive to triggers and I'm like but if it's triggering you it's trying to tell you something Mm -hmm. that you need to address within yourself it's okay just go into it like try it on dance around in it a little bit spin around see how it feels because it's illuminating something for you and that's our pain body being activated and the and the pain body because it feeds on the ego and they feed back and forth in each other the best way to dis- dismantle the ego in that moment and step out of the pain body is through awareness. It's through acknowledging that what that feeling is, what that behavior is, is the ego. It's being triggered. It's, it's the shadow self. It's the pain body. And so you bring it up, you acknowledge it. And the second you acknowledge it, it dissipates because our ego is just our unconscious state, right? Mm-hmm. It's all of our unconsciousness. And so that is hard to do moment by moment. Like to be conscious all the time. Are you kidding me? Even my shaman talks about this with me where she's like, I have my moments where I feel that creeping up. And there are my moments where I feel it creeping up and it comes out. But like when you also engage with other people when they're in their pain body. So say I'm in a conflict with like my partner, right? For example, and um, my pain body's coming out. If they stay and fight with me when my pain body's out, it's going to keep growing and growing and growing. The best thing to do is to remove yourself so that pain body can come to awareness and dissipate, right? So that's another interaction with other people when other people trigger us. But for ourselves, it's hard to hold ourselves accountable. Mm-hmm. It's hard to yeah. stay present all the time. You're not going to stay present all the time. It's okay. But eventually, that little that little thing that came forward that like you didn't actually work through at that point in time because it was too busy or too big or whatever, it's going to come back. And when it comes back, it's going to be a little bit bigger. And if you catch the lesson, great. If you don't, that's okay. It's going to come back. It'll keep coming back until you clear it. You are given multiple opportunities from the universe to clear things. And that's why I never speak about things like I don't identify myself with certain traumas or lacks or weaknesses. I always say I am actively changing or I'm actively working on or I'm actively moving through because in the present, this is the opportunity to actively move through something. The actual issue is in the past because I've done that before. Mm -hmm. But right now I can change it and the future is where it's changed. So mm-hmm. I always move through things with, with that in the, the front of my mind of like, okay, I'm being tested right now by the universe to break this cycle. Like, how am I going to do this? Let me step back. Let me center myself and really feel what's going on, not just think about it. Mm-hmm. Well, Madison, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> how can people find you online and where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me. My username on all my social media is It's Already Yours with two S's at the end. And my website is It's Already Yours with one S dot co. Yeah, that's brilliant. Well, look, thank you so much for your time today. I am confident that the podcast listeners are going to be able to have a wealth of knowledge on their healing journeys. There's quite a large portion of my um, listener base is, um, you know, focused on their healing and turning inwards and learning about their spirituality. So I know for certain that they're going to get a lot of value from this. Um, And just thank you for sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you, Gemma. Thank you.
I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you're able to, please rate the show or leave feedback on your chosen podcast player. You can also visit the podcast website. Simply head across to thehappypsychic.show and you can also find me on the socials by searching for at Gemma Lonsdale Guru. 